What's going on, everybody? This is Matt from Dime Time. Today, we had a really special episode of Dime Time. We have NBA Top Shot connoisseur, sports influencer, Jack Settleman here on Dime Time today. We had a great discussion about NBA Top Shot, what to expect from the major sports memorabilia movement, and more. We even talked about our midseason awards and reactions. It was a great episode. We had a great talk. I'm looking forward to more talks. Here we go. And yet, it's... So, what's good, everybody? Uh, we're here on Dime Time today, and we're here, we got a special guest here, Jack Settleman of Snapback Sports. Excuse me, Snapback Sports, uh, NBA Top Shot connoisseur, <laughs> right? So, my man's here to talk about some NBA Top Shot. I know a lot of people are just raving about it and. You're on social media. You definitely have seen what NBA Top Shot is, and I wanted to take some time out of this episode just to go over what NBA Top Shot is. And uh, so, yeah, Jack, take it away. So, what is Top Shot? Um, they're NFTs, and NFT stands for non fungible token. Essentially, what an NFT is, it it grants you digital ownership. So, I've got a sports card in front of me. I'm holding it. That's physical ownership. When you own an NFT, you own that one digitally. And what that means is uh, we always get the question, right? Can I just screen record it on YouTube? Isn't it the same thing? Mm-hmm. So the difference is if you screen record it, um, you don't actually own that. And when I buy it from Top Shot, I own it. And the reason that I own it and the reason it has value is because people actually buy mine. If I put it on the marketplace and no one will buy yours. So that's kind of what's the difference in this, in this logic of digital ownership. So these highlights that they have on the site, digital collectibles, their NFTs, um, and, and their stores of value, they're also going to be utility. And we can kind of go into that, but jump in with any other questions you guys have along the way. Well, like, yeah, I saw, I saw um, Mark Cuban was like early in it and he was, he, he invested whatever. And his, someone was saying to him, like, can't you just look up this shit on YouTube or whatever? And he said, like, you could print out a baseball card and hang it on your wall. And like, it still doesn't seem the same value. And I feel like people are still trying like hard to wrap around their head. Like I'm buying highlights. Yeah. Like as stupid as it is, like it's still selling and it still has a high volume. And people want it. So that's where yeah, I'm there's about. no there's no doubt about that. I think this NFT, this digital ownership is so much to grasp. It is so tough to understand and then when it clicks and you get over that mental hurdle, you're like, oh, this makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I'm owning this extremely scarce NBA collectible that a lot of people covet of my favorite player doing some action in a game, but they just have to get that. So you can't really force people to understand that. Um, but, but what really excites me about this stuff is the utility of it. So once again, I'll pull up this card, right? Let's say this card was worth $5 million, right? It's the highest selling sports card of all time. Uh, what can I do with this card? I can showcase it, right? I can show it off to my friends. I can hold it. And it's tangible, which gives people a nice feeling inside. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, you literally can't do anything with it. You, you know, if you actually play with it too much, you might drop it, which could decrease the value. If you leave it out in, in bad weather, it could decrease the value, right? Only bad things can happen by this card being not locked away. So for that, there's no utility. Flip that to these things and you have a a world of utility. One example is a fantasy game. So on Top Shot site, you can make these uh, showcases. So the same way I might have like a, a bunch of cards on my nightstand, I can make the showcase on my phone and I can show it off to people, right? And it's like, here's the moments that I personally own. I own this LeBron dunk. I own this John Morant assist, all that. And then within that, I can also play fantasy. So this app called Swish, they build a fantasy game. So the four of us could have a fantasy game every week. And each moment, so each moment there's like dunks, there's three pointers, there's assist deals, et cetera. And you would have to select a moment from your personal portfolio your personal collection, okay. and put it into your fantasy team as a three-pointer. And then you get points attributed to your squad, right? So now we're playing fantasy basketball. And then they're going to build this game called Hardcourt, right? It's a mobile app. So based off- I read mo- about the mobile app, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so based off the mobile app, 
right? Based off the moments I own, those are the players I can play with in the game. And then there's different tiers and different scarcity on top shots. So the super rare ones, there's only 49, the base ones, there's a thousand, right? So in the video game, why isn't, you know, the LeBron to 49 and 95 overall and the LeBron to a thousand is a 90 overall. So that's kind of how you differentiate Mm -hmm. and you play the video game. And then I can go to a Knicks game, right? I go to Knicks Celtics on Sunday afternoon and I scan my ticket and a moment from that game is then dropped into my account in a week. Right. So none of this exists yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all future potential, but you hear the utility, right. Versus this, there's nothing I can do with this. Right. So for that reason, that's why NFTs are incredible. And that's why I think top shot's going to be incredible. And it's already incredible that so many people have invested so much money and attention and energy into this platform. Yeah. And um, like going off to like the utility of it, basically like what I used to do with baseball cards, I would make like my own lineups. I would have like a shortstop, a second baseman to do that. But the issue with that is I I risk damaging the cards if I bend them or whatnot, unless they're like in like a case that like keeps them safe. But when I was a 10 year old kid, just carrying baseball cards from Walmart, I was not putting them in cases. I wasn't really collecting. And um, also kind of just talk about um, like how people kind of think it's like stupid. It's just like little video clips that people are selling for thousands of dollars. I mean, when you think about baseball cards, it's really just a piece of cardboard people are keeping and selling for the picture on it. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can just print that out and cut it out on a piece of paper. But um, I think people are going to like with time, they'll kind of realize what it is and they'll start accepting it and be like, wow, this is actually a really good way to make money and like just start another collection. It's just like evolving. No doubt. doubt. So like you, like you said, like how there is so much like future potential with top shot. And like, like you said, you go to a game um definitely people should be getting in it right now so for people like me and jack like uh what would you suggest like how to get into top shot how to like be more involved invest your own money yeah so first off let me just start by saying a lot of people think they're late they're too late right and and i get that because if you looked at the prices two months ago you're like okay this is ridiculous it's 100x since then i was just looking at a discord dm i had we did a 400 dollars raffle i mean actually listen to how insane this is we did a 400 dollars raffle uh, it's called a Raz. So for, uh, 10 people put in 400 bucks. Whoever gets first in a randomizer gets to pick from the entire list. And then as you knock stuff off, you know, you get to pick. I got last in the raffle. I got left with a LeBron base moment. That's worth $35,000. I got oh left God. with it. It was the last pick that I didn't even get to pick. <laughs> 35K. So people look at that and they're like, okay, how, how, you know, did he take 400 bucks? Cause at the time it was like 245 bucks. So I actually lost on that yeah. raffle, but I just mm-hmm. held it. Um, so people see that and they're like, okay, I'm way too late, but I posted something on Twitter yesterday and it was like uh, NBA memes on Instagram, 4 million NBA fans follow them. They put up a story poll. 75% of them had not heard of NBA top shot, not, not invested, not, you know, taking part in it, not, They hadn't heard of it. Three quarters of an NBA centric fan base. So to say you're too late, I just think that's ridiculous. Um, But for someone jumping in, you know, like I think Murphy's been doing, educate yourself, learn and listen. So there's really good resources to follow. I'll throw some out there. Own the moment, the first mint. um, And everyone listening, you guys can also DM me. I'll kind of share their profiles, but they share really good stuff on different challenges going on different undervalued possibilities as well um logic between prices moving because there it is a complex system it's not really just like the stock market where if you invest in a stock it's kind of just like you're worried about that business this stuff's correlated to a lot of other stuff in the market right if you invest in steph Steph's probably going to be worth around the same as a player like Luca. Whereas in the stock market, like Apple, it doesn't matter, you know, anything else in the market essentially. So um, if you're just getting started, just track the marketplace, like pick a few moments that you really are interested in, pick some players, right. Um, And then do some deep dive research. Cause there's so, there's so many complexities to it. Like stuff that people just would have no idea. Harry Giles, for example, if you looked up his moments in comparison to a bunch of other like series one uh, moments, you'd be like, why is Harry Giles more expensive or as expensive as like a Jalen Brown, right? They're nowhere near the same level because there's only so many Giles on the market because only so many were released in packs. And like, there's just these intricacies that, you know, the casual person getting in would never know. 
but the most the easiest way to kind of take advantage of it would be just track like five moments or five players and just watch their prices right so then you figure out okay there's a thousand of these Stephs and there's a thousand of these dame lillards and i think that steph's a better player but dame is more expensive so you go figure out why that is and if and if no one can explain to you why that is then you're like okay I'm going to buy stuff. I think that's a good buy, right? And that's going to go up and match Dame's price or go buy him. Or Dame's an MVP candidate and Steph's right below him for this season, but you're looking at the long-term potential. There's just so much, right, that goes into it. And I'll be honest, like I can't give you a full scope of every single player on the market. I'll do that. When someone points out like, hey, I think this is undervalued, I'll go look and be like, okay, Giannis's stuff appears to be pretty undervalued. But if you actually go look, He's got like a hundred moments, right? He's got MVP moments. He's Mm -hmm. got a rookie. He's got legendary Mm -hmm. stuff. Whereas a player like, I'm trying to think like Lonzo. Lonzo's a really interesting player to me right now. He only has a few moments on the site, which to me is very valuable because there's only a couple to choose from at the end of the day. So learning those intricacies and and really just studying players and, and stuff like that. Following the right people on Twitter is super helpful. And I feel like that's the, that's the beauty of it is that, there, there's no market. You know, like no, I feel like at this point, nobody has any idea what they're doing to the yeah. point where it's kind of just like, it's open-ended to the point where we're kind of just going every day trying to figure out what's worth what and what is what. Like, yeah, for example, everyone, like, I feel everyone, like my, yeah. my, my favorite part about this whole thing is like looking for new talent. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, I think uh, mid-January-ish, I bought Kevin Porter Jr. Great player, whatever. He had his issues with Cleveland, but... Like I, I knew this guy has talent and a couple, like a month later is worth 10 times the price. So like, you yeah, know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like that's the best part about it. The, he hasn't even made it back to the league. Exactly. Yeah. Crazy. But yeah, I mean, that's the same thing with physical cards. If you can identify talent, you'll, I mean, you'll make millions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. the people who are buying Giannis rookie cards on in physical, were buying them for a few bucks in 2014. And now they're worth, you know, thousands of dollars. So yeah, if you can identify talent, you can identify like the sleeper rookies. Those will appreciate. Because think about it, Lamelo's priced at four grand. Hal Burns at two k. Uh, Toppin's at six hundred or eight hundred. But if like you see Denny at three hundred, and you're like, oh, he's a stud, or Maxi, he's a stud. Yeah, you're big you on know, them. Yeah. 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 If you if you can find those guys, then you have great upside because if they become top of the class, then that's just a great opportunity. So, um, yeah, that's why people always ask me. They're like you know, should I buy, should I sell, should I hold, what should I do? And I'm like, I'm really not good at time in this market because there's no data on it. Like no one knows we've gone through like two bull runs and two corrections in two months, right? Like it's not enough data to really understand. So it's really anyone's best guess. But I think that's what kind of makes it fun is like you create your own hypothesis and then you go test it and you'll be rewarded. If you're correct on, on what you think is going to happen in the market, you'll make money. If you're not, you'll lose a little and you'll learn. And then you can retest new hypotheses. So uh, it, it's just been a fun market. Yeah. And we just talked about like how the, like the fluctuality of the market is just so unpredictable right now. But like, I want to talk about like, this, so if, let's say if I were to buy a moment for a guy like Joe Harris and like out of like completely out of the blue, the guy drops 50 points has a 50 point game. He's just hitting all of his threes. Um, I guess like more of a short-term investment, obviously not the long-term, like, do you see like his price is not, maybe not skyrocketing, but definitely going up after a game like that. And that's like a good short term or do you see, yeah, just for the sake of argument, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Or like, do you think people like expect that to happen and it's not going to affect it as much as like you think it would? Well, I don't think anyone expects Joe Harris to score 50 points. <laughs> but but no, it, it's a really good question. This is what I mean by every moment is really different and has so many intricacies to it. To me, Joe Harris's career is kind of locked in, right? Like he's 27 years old, right? Like he might get incrementally better. He's actually having the craziest shooting season of all time and no one's talking about it. Yeah. But he's not a superstar, right? He's never going to be an all-star. So like people mm-hmm. know that. And they know like his floor isn't anything crazy. So he's kind of locked into what I call like the vet standard, which is like, there's just these players, they hit 26 and they're not going to be superstars. Yeah, exactly. They're role players. Whereas you do have an interesting situation like PJ Washington, right? Last night he Mm -hmm. drops 42 points. He's second year in the league. So people still love those guys who have that upside and that potential. That's a guy where I bet if I went and looked right now, 
his stuff probably went up overnight, even though we are, we are in a dip. So it's always tough to tell, right? Like the markets dipped 10 or 15% right now. So like, even if PJ went up, did he go up or maybe he stayed stagnant, which is still up 15% against a market dip. It's, it's interesting. Well, like, I mean, when I, when I, when I started to get into it, that's when Colin Sexton went like berserk against the nets yeah. and he had like a crazy jump. Yeah. Like it was nuts. Like it was like, yeah. And this was when like Top Shot was like the cars weren't going for like thousands, so it was like a two hundred, three hundred dollar jump at that right. time, which was like crazy. So like people were like just I guess looking up Colin Sexton and just buying anything they saw for like yeah, $100. yeah. I mean, there's reactive. The market is reactive, like Luca and Giannis stuff because they've been playing out of their mind in the last week. That stuff's gonna tend to be up. Uh, Anthony Davis stuff is down big, even though like. AD getting hurt for two weeks, really? Did that change anything? Like he was a superstar in the finals last year. So a lot of people are buying him right now because like there's no logic. It's just what you're seeing is kind of like what's on your mind. And because of that, you'll, you'll be able to exploit good buying opportunities. Another interesting ones like Jaron Jackson right now, he's playing out of his mind in the bubble. A great yeah, my brother young bought one. one. Yeah, great. Not yeah. recent, uh, a couple months ago. So he had that. He stashed it away. Exactly. And now Jaron's going to come back after the break. He plays with John Moran. He catches his lobs, right? So, of course, the injury is coming off of may hamper him a little. But what if it doesn't? What if he comes back like KD? I mean, not as good as KD, but, <laughs> but full, you know, fully healthy. Yeah, and then, I know what you, mean. you know, Jaron's back to one of the brightest young stars in the game. So those are other opportunities, dunk contests, you know, events like that as well. Okay. Um, so, um, I guess we can kind of talk about like your, like some of your personal experiences now with Top Shot, because we kind of just talked a lot about what it is and like how to like kind of get into it. So I guess we'll start off with just what's your favorite Top Shot moment that you own personally? Yeah. So, uh, this is common in the physical car world, which is like a physical collection or, um, personal collection. So it's stuff that like you, you never really intend to sell. It's just a car that you really wanted to get. Um, but I think every personal collection probably has a price as well, if it, if it gets <laughs> to that point. Um, so my favorite is a CP3 cosmic cosmics, like the Holy grail of the site. There's only 49 of them. CP3 is my favorite player. So when I was shopping around, you know, when I was early days and it wasn't, you know, it, it wouldn't cost me 80 grand like it would today. Uh, I really wanted a CP3 cosmic. I was like, this is just a moment I need to have. So I overpaid for it, but right now it obviously looks like mm-hmm. a massive underpay. So what's what's early days to you technically? Like when did you start getting into? This? Yeah, so I was pre-Jan one. I think pre-Jan one is is really uh, where people were able like to like dollar store it. dollar store cars down there. Like that's yeah. crazy. I mean, I just told you a story about a moment that was two hundred forty-five bucks yeah, that that appreciated thirty-five k. So. Uh, I mean, even the cosmic I bought of LeBron, like the price of it was just so cheap looking back. So um, the coolest moment I own is the big buy that we made. We bought me and a bunch of uh, buddies, investors put in forty seven thousand five hundred dollars at the time. It was by far the biggest sale on the site. Uh, I want to say mid January, probably to buy the LeBron from the top dunk serial 23. So it matches LeBron's number. Um, it's the Kobe tribute dunk. There's only 59, but we have the number 23 one. So that one's the coolest. I think it's one of, if not the best moments on the site. Um, so that one's super special. So now, like you said, like there are groups of investors, like are more people doing that? Like are more people gathering groups of investors or their friends and just like, yo, like, let's chip in. Cause I own, I do own like a couple at the time where like I bought like a LaMelo ball with me and my brother for like when it was at, I think $400, like we put just 200 each. So like, are you, is that a trend that you're seeing that you're seeing more people just investing? Yeah. What's really interesting is, is like, would I rather own a metallic gold alley of, I don't know, like Zach Levine, right? Which is which, a good card. I'm assuming. Yeah. Which is 8,000 bucks or, or would I want to Beal or even let's go lower to like, I'm trying to think of like a middle of the road, play, like a Sexton, let's say Sexton. It goes for a few thousand bucks, right? I have a few grand. I want to be in all on one player, but like, do I want to own Colin Sexton, right? With three grand, or would I rather partially own LeBron or Ja or Zion, right? Like guy. So, so that's where uh, we, we went in as a group, but 
Um, some people are, you know, yeah, a bunch of people are starting to go in as groups. I think one day they're going to be able to offer that ability to just like kind of pull your money together on the platform and then maybe sell your shares. I think that would be really smart of them to do that right now. You kind of got to do it like off the books where, you know, they send me the money. I'm, t- I'm kind of taking it in my account and, and making the buy. I actually, I know, I know Arch, it was, Arch, did you try to buy packs? No, no, I was looking into it. I was looking into it, but I didn't buy it. I haven't spent my own money yet. I was waiting for this call, honestly. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, so well, the like, packs. Yeah, that was the about the packs. Yeah, so the deal with the packs is like everyone's obsessed with them because they're like these fun lottery tickets where if you open them, you, you like make money, which is, you know, unseen. If you play the lottery right now, you got to put money down and then you potentially win. This is like you just get in some line. If you win the lottery, you pay for it and then you're printing money to it or great. So everyone's been trying to get the packs. They did just put out the pre-order packs, which won't be like money makers to say. Um because they're doing like 130,000 of them yeah, or something some crazy. Per- I saw, I thought I saw like 600,000 packs at least. Yeah, 600K were available. I think yeah. only 130 or 150K mm-hmm. actually ended up getting them. But uh, the premium packs, definitely worth getting in line for. I mean, every premium pack to date has been a quick flip and an ability to make money. But I've seen a lot of people get the packs just to get the packs and have more moments and, you know, stay invested in the platform, which I think is fun. So should, should people lose hope right now with not being able to get packs? Because like, say like, not even just, we, we all got our money, like we'll, we'll, we'll buy a moment or whatever. Like, but what if like a 12 year old kid wants to get into this, but they can't front $500 for a moment and they want to buy a $9 pack and it's impossible. Like, do they give up? Do they keep going? Do you think this pack problem will be fixed in the future where everyone yes. pack will be accessible to everyone? That was the logic behind this $9 pre-order pack mm-hmm. where every single person who wanted one could get one. And the goal is they've said one day, they've been saying it for months. Every time you come to the site, you should be able to buy packs the mm-hmm. same way you can buy packs, you know, at a retail store. They're crappy packs, but they kind of teach you how to play with the platform, how to buy, how to sell, how to trade, um, how to just be involved in the marketplace, own a moment, which can be really cool for someone who's just jumping in before, right? Before you make that big buy, you want to try something. And the problem is right now to get in, you got to pay 20 bucks to own a Sergi Baca that there's 15,000 of, right? And that's not valuable to people. They'd rather open a pack for nine bucks, have a few moments and just be playing around over making, you know, an investment in a player they're not too fond of. So uh, yeah, packs will eventually be more plentiful, but right now, like just, they gotta, they gotta figure out and manage the demand and the supply properly. If they release too many and it just kills the value of everything, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of shit out of luck. Mm, yeah. Like again, I feel like to avoid that, they kind of have to separate obviously the cheaper packs and the more premium packs and kind of not intertwine so much. Cause that they can ruin it. But I think, yeah, that sh- there definitely should be aware people can always buy packs on the site. Like it's actual like card trading and you can do it in more of a casual expense rather than like going so deep and invest so much. So like you can, it's like be like the whole brand new thing of buying uh, basketball cards or collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think they're working towards that. They just scaled up at a crazy, I mean, they went from no one knew about them to, you know, bleacher ESPN, NBA guys. It's like crazy. Yeah. So like another question is, so people really i don't i'm not expecting anybody to really understand how the market works right now but like since there's only one lamello ball up and it's a common which is a common card like that i own like what when should people know when to sell and when to hold their cards like i know you said like you really can't give that analysis because there's really no data on the market but like from your own experiences like i'm sure you've lost money and i'm sure you've made money so like what is your experience of like trust your gut do you trust the stats like what do you how do you go about that yeah i don't buy i don't sell I just hold everything. You hold so, everything. Yeah, so I'm not a great person. And I'm doing a challenge right now where I'm trying to take a thousand to a hundred thousand dollars by just okay. trading and flipping. So that is the only buying and selling I'm really participating in. And I've I've missed on the challenge like six times. Like so every- if you don't mind going into the challenges for the people who don't know. Yeah. So I I had a thousand bucks in my account and I was like, let's see, you know, everyone's doing these crazy returns. Let's see if I can actually do a challenge and kind of track it. So I'll give you a perfect example of what I mean by I just hold now. I don't try to time the market. First purchase a thousand bucks. Zach Levine metallic gold LE sold for 1200 bucks in 24 hours, 20% gain 24 hours, right? It's pretty good. If you could do that in, in the stock market, you would. 
Take that 1200 buy, buy a Brad Beal for the win. Only like 200 of them available. Uh, market dips. I just let it sit. Eventually, it sells for $1,600. Not too bad. Another 30% trade, right? Take that. Luka Doncic cool cap because the cool cat challenge is required to get the LaMelo ball master challenge, which is a dunk. And like you were mentioning, there's only this common assist on the site. So this Luka cool cat's going to be coveted. So I was like, okay, I know that people are going to want this. There's new people coming in 1500 bucks by the Luka 12 hours later, locked in two grand. Right. So I've gone from a thousand to two grand pretty quickly. Um, with that two grand, I forget what I bought next, but I'm essentially at 3,300 bucks in the challenge after a couple more flips. The Luca cool cat got up to $9,000. It's currently, you sold it it at this point, correct? I I sold it too. It's currently at seven. The Beal got up to 5,500 and the Levine got up to, uh, eight grand. So, so I don't know shit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But my best advice would be like, if you really take a step back and think super long-term on this stuff, like collect the early guys, the early studs, and you'll be fine, right? That's the people in two years and three years and five years and 10 years that they're going to want. Steph, KD, LeBron James. And then, yeah. Go Go for it. No, that was my my next question, actually. Like you said, people think they're already late to this, right? But like years down the line, right? Like even a card like that, like a normal card could be worth like so much more. And like, like we said before, there's already been so many sales and like investors in Top Shot. Like, where do you see this going? Like, would you even suggest like keeping these like smaller players or like, like, you know, not selling these players right away? Yeah, so I have a I have a decent amount of um, series two, like to fifteen thousand of Serge Ibaka and Alec Burks, right? Twenty twenty five bucks, and like people come from the card industry, they're like, you know, the best Alec Burks card sells for twenty bucks, right? Not like one that there's fifteen k of, but I thought that at three dollars on Alec Burks, and I fortunately didn't sell, so I just been holding everything. So that stuff could kind of drop off, but. My bet, my bet is that if that stuff drops off, the LeBron stuff will go up. And if the mm-hmm. LeBron stuff doesn't go up as much as I think, then the Burke stuff will hold because there's challenges, there's utility, like there's other factors involved to this stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I'm my guess is that stuff will fall off, but I'm fine holding it. It's kind of like a hedge and to balance out my portfolio. And uh, Jack, go ahead. Murph. Oh, um, yeah, and also okay, like um kind of like looking at it long term i mean we're in just like what it's a series two just yeah. past series one so if you look in even like two years when these are out of packs that's going to be a long time that people couldn't get those and if this is the next big thing and more people go up and up or go on it and get it attracts thousands millions of people um that's going to be worth a lot of money yeah i mean that's that's my best guess is i would say there's 130,000 people i believe that own a moment uh, there's about 300k signed up. Even if you 3x that and get to a million people, it's it's like 0.03% of the total addressable NBA fan market, right? So like, why can't this be a 10 million person platform, 20 million, 100 million, like a, a quarter of NBA fans could own a top shop moment because video games, going to games, collectibles, jersey, like there's just so much shit that comes with it. And, and I feel like people forget that this is totally licensed by the nba so the nba by the nba and global and it's global right these trading cards i can't trade in china it costs too much to ship with the fees different currency this it's all it's global it's digital it can it can be sent so we haven't even unlocked the china market um there's just so much potential and once again if you take a step back and you look long term because everyone's caught up in the hype of what can i make today or what can i make in the next week if you say what can i make in the next two years yeah, like if you're bullish on the platform, there's a ton of potential. You know sports, obviously, and you could recognize that the NBA is by far like the most progressive. They, they're not afraid to take steps into new ventures. So them being setting the precedent now, do you see other big, like out of the major four sports, even soccer around Europe or whatever, do you see them taking the steps into doing this in their next process? And they're seeing how much money could be made into this? 
Yeah, they, they can't ignore this. Dapper's already mm-hmm. inked a deal with the UFC. Dapper's the company that built Top Shot. Okay. They allegedly have uh, been talking behind the scenes with the MLB and NFL. So rare exists. They're not a dapper company. It's like a fantasy game for soccer, but I don't think they do it amazingly personally. But uh, so I think there's space for that. Um, but we'll see. Like Mark Cuban said, this could be a top three revenue stream, not top shot specifically, but NFTs. Um, and if they're the leader, just a great opportunity. And also, I feel like would be a great way to a uh, great uh, move for Top Shot or whatever, like kind of not just incorporate like what's going on like now, but like maybe historic moments. Like imagine there's a Top Shot flashback card of like the Vince Carter dunk in the Olympics yeah. or something like that. Like that could be another like another way to just make it like a ton of money. Yeah. yeah I and- know more about this. Don't they have packs that are coming out? And I think they did do uh, a pack drop like that as well. Yeah. So nostalgia, this is what everyone's talking about right now is a digital product. You can't really have those, you know, make me feel good feelings about something that just released a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. Like with physical cards, you can, because it brings you back 50, 150 years. Um, But you can release moments. So the run it back series is a set that exists on the site. You've got a moment from, uh, Mellow's 62 point game. You've got a moment from uh, Steve Nash in a pass. You got, you know, a bunch of players like that. And they're going to continue to release that in the next running backs that I think they said it's Allen Iverson, McGrady, and Shaq, which those, is, you know, that's, those are hitters. Like, those are like, that's not, like, I don't know. That's like, I remember in the running backpacks, I saw Roy Hibbert. Roy Hibbert is cool, but like, <laughs> like AI, like that's, yeah, like those around. are the guys. Those are the guys. So, um, and they've even talked about George Mikan who played in the 40s and they have black yeah, and white wow. footage of that's of, awesome. Right. So that's really cool. So, yeah, they, they have it figured out. Um, they just got to iron out some issues. And then I think they're going to turn on that marketing faucet and that really just start pumping and, and things will start flying again. Well, yeah. And like you said, like they got to iron it out in the sense, I don't even think the NBA thought this was going to get this big so like they like i know their site is a beta right now so like they're probably working on that whatever they're probably going to work like you said on the mobile app for mm-hmm. the phone where you'll be able to purchase pack through that so like there's just a lot of work to be done and it's still a 250 million dollar industry in less than two months that it's been popular yeah it's it's unbelievable to me just like seeing how big this got so quickly like within the span of like a like a month of hearing this like i just feel like the popularity just skyrocketed not even a month for me i can't lie it's been like two weeks i want to say but jack i have a question for you if you don't mind what's like one carter moment you're looking out for that people should be watching too Oh, that's a good question. You can't give away the blueprint, bro. You can't. <laughs> no, 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 like a suggestion. Don't give away your secrets. <laughs> no, no. So, so I get this question a lot. It's like, what should I buy, right? And I think the toughest thing is I need a budget, right? Because someone who has a hundred grand has a different, you know, moment that they should buy over someone with a hundred bucks. So, if you do specifically need advice, like what I suggest is go find your budget, right? Go to the marketplace. You can kind of navigate and filter for moments under that price. And then send a few over of like moments you like, players you like, and then we can always talk through like who specifically. Um, but me, for me personally, the moment I'm most excited for is Emmanuel quickly. Uh, oh, he doesn't definitely. have a, yeah, he doesn't have a moment yet on the site. So I'm really excited to get IQ's moment when that comes out. Well, yeah, my, even my process, like when I first got into it, when I, I literally had no idea what I was doing. And my process was injured guys, rookies who I think will like eventually be better. Like, like a guy, like you said, like Denny, who like is young, like he's one of the youngest players in the league, but he still has room to develop like guys like that. Like I, I bought um my brother, like you said, he brought a Jaron Jackson. I got the TJ Warrens that are up a lot right now that who broke his like Karis Leverts. Yeah. So like, those are like the guys, like even like a guy like Drummond who's being held out right now. And if like he goes to a contender, like plays is he good being thing, held out right now, he is being still? held out. Yeah. It's oh crazy. God. It's crazy. So like even guys like that. So like, that's at least my process yeah. for going up. Just if someone's a beginner and like needs like a little advice, like that's all I can offer you. It's a process so, for sure. Bro, honestly, you said Karis Levert and I'm like itching to like check that out. And that might be my first <laughs> investment <laughs> because I'm, I'm a Nets guy. I love, I love Levert. It's like, that's something that like I would that have like value to me just because like I loved watching Levert the past few but, years. See, see Jack, like I like that you said that because I feel like more a lot more people than we think are going into this more for their personal collection rather than mm-hmm. trying to make a quick buck 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like Jack, like you said, huge Nets fan, was a huge Karis guy. Karis was with the D-Lo team, whatever. Like he's a fan favorite. Like how can you hate Karis LeVert, you know? So like Jack owning a Karis LeVert moment will be more for him buying a common for like 50 bucks. Like he knows he's not going to make, even if it skyrockets, you know, like another 50 bucks. Is he really going to sell it? He likes Karis LeVert that yeah. much where he'll keep it. So like exactly. that's why I think of another thing that's so awesome about this is that people could just go in and just collect players they love. No doubt. No doubt. Before we thank Jack, I just want to give him the mic, give him the floor, whatever you want to promote, man. It's all on you. So go ahead. On Friday, I'm playing in the House of Highlight Showdown. Uh, me oh, wow. and seven other YouTubers, influencers, MMG, Kenny Beecham, Kenny of the fourth quarter or King of the fourth quarter. Um, Supreme Dreams, a bunch of really cool mm-hmm. people. And it's for a hundred thousand dollars. So that will be on House of Highlights YouTube. So I've been I'm plugging that, that up. Top shot money. I know. <laughs> and literally, if I win, the amount of Emmanuel quickly moments I will buy will be disturbing. Actually, I am I actually do have one last question for you. Yeah. What the hell is fan control football? I did see in your bio that you're a <laughs> owner, partial owner of whatever team. What the I've been seeing a lot of that on Instagram. What the hell is it? Yeah, so the FCF is this really really cool concept. In 2015, the these people bought a, an arena football league or team, and they let the fans call the plays. They built the tech, they built an app, and they let them pick the plays. And they had like the top passing quarterback in the league who was the rookie of the year. So instead of and then you know COVID happens a few years in between, they finally launch uh this league where fans draft a team every wednesday night so we're the wild aces we have a few franchise tag guys for stability sake quarterback running back wide receiver but they draft like a fantasy draft every wednesday through the app most votes gets that player when our picks up and then on saturday they call the plays live so you literally are in the app you can pick run or pass if the play you pick has the most votes that's the play they run so you're just playing you're essentially playing madden in real life yeah, exactly. That's awesome. 77, That's awesome. That's 50 so yard cool. field. Johnny Manziel's uh, quarterback at the Zappers. They just recruited Josh Gordon. Yeah, Josh Gordon. I did see that. Yeah. That's goat. sick. Yeah. Well, uh, Jack Settleman, Snapback Sports, man. We appreciate you so much for the Top Shot insight, man. Thanks for coming on Dime Time, my guy. Uh, yeah, and after the Top Shot talk, we just wanted to actually, Jack's going to stick around. We're going to talk about some midseason awards and midseason re- reactions with the All Star game coming up. And, uh, I'll, I'll start it up. So there's a lot of uh, MVP talk around Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Steph Curry even's getting some buzz. So who do you guys think are some people, who's the deserving recipient of the MVP midseason just for now? I'll let, I'll let Jack start it off. Which Jack? <laughs> yeah, settlements, settlements. Snapback sports Jack. Um, yeah, so right now, today, I would give the award to Embiid, best record in the East. Last time I checked, he's playing out of his mind. Um, I think LeBron has kind of fallen off the MVP ladder a little for me. After AD went down, they went like one and four, one and five over that stretch, rebounded a little. But Damian Lillard's the number two guy for me. I mean, he's carrying a Blazers team who is without CJ McCollum, his partner in crime, without Nurk, without Collins. I mean, he's missing a lot of guys and he's carrying Carmelo Anthony Ennis Cantor and Robert Covington to you know, a really good record in, in a very tough conference. So I go Dame Lillard too, but I'll, I'll give it to MB for now. Yeah. Um, kind of like to go, go back to what you were saying. The only issue I have with Joel Embiid is his health this season. And he's like, I might be different now, but the last time I checked like last week, he missed roughly 20% of the team's games. And when you're not, when you're missing that much basketball, it's really hard to see you win an MVP unless you're putting up like a, a historically insane season. So while I think he's the MVP right now, if he keeps up like this pace of um, missing games every once in a while and ends up missing around 18, 20% of the games, I think they're going to give the MVP to a guy like Damian Lillard. If LeBron gets back on track, which I think he will personally, I mean, they lost Anthony Davis. I think it's going to take a couple more day, a couple games to kind of like gel together and uh, kind of deal with it. But um. I, I think I'll, Joel Embiid, as time goes on, he's just going to fall a little bit on the MVP ladder. Um, but I think Damian Lillard is like right up there. And I think if, if this, if I think he's going to possibly win MVP if the Trailblazers can just inch up in the standings a little bit more. 
So, Jack, I don't know. I'm going to have to disagree with you a little there. Joel Embiid's had, like, health issues in the past. He's missed a bunch of chunks of a lot of seasons. But this year, it's been, like, that 22% is a little misleading because that's, like, what, six, seven games, right? It's not, like, a huge chunk yet. But I still see him at the top of the MVP ladder, especially for me, just because of the way the Sixers are playing. The Nets are really cooking. They might take that number one seed really soon. But as of right now, I'd have to put him number one. But number two for me is still LeBron. Uh, the guys goaded. Uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but uh, Anthony Davis has been out. That team's been struggling a bit, but I feel like he can definitely bring them back. Just give them a few games to get their legs under them. But what do you think, Matt? Well, yeah, like I'm, I'm probably I'm still edging LeBron number one because at this point in the midseason, because like Jack said, AD is still missing. And I'm pretty sure they do. They have more wins in the Sixers at this point. So this like seating even matter at that point. So it's just a hard give or take. But my question mm-hmm. to actually you guys is, will there be a world in the second half of the season where Dame, Joel, or LeBron don't win MVP and someone else does? Is there someone you guys think can creep up and steal that from them? Like Arch had said, the Nets are creeping up to that one seed. So you may be looking at a KD or even Harden, Kyrie, or KD can all win it. Oh, you know what I'm saying? James so like, Harden's been playing West, Donovan Mitchell. They secure the one seed. Does he deserve it? Like, is there a world where you guys see that one of the field will win this? Yeah, I definitely can. And a guy I feel like people will kind of stop talking about, I don't know why, is Nikola Jokic. I mean, his numbers are insane. I mean, the Nuggets have to perform a little bit better, but they are a talented team. And if they get hot, they get it going. He might be the front runner for the MVP again. That's I definitely have to agree with Jack right there. Um, the thing is, I just the I want to say Harden just because this year he really proved his versatility. I want to say right, like sure. guys balling out of his mind. He could like play make like crazy. He could score like crazy. He could do everything. Um, I just personally, if the Nuggets start cooking, Nikola Jokic for me. So there's a guy you guys didn't talk about. Uh, <laughs> I know you're going. Anyone name who it is? Steph Curry. No, and wow. I picked Steph to win MVP preseason. Luca, okay. honest, oh, Luca. I mean, out of his mind right now. How good is he? How good is he? He, he is, is so, so good. good. Preseason. Go. So listen, the the word's narrative driven. So it actually has to do more with who's going to get hot late. And there's enough season left, right? There's 40 games or something for them still to be played. And Luca is now back to you know where he was projected to be playing. He took a, a Mavs team who was 14th in the standings. They're all the way up to eight. They've run, won a bunch of games recently. Mark Cuban will be all up on his case, like, you know, shouting from the rafters. So I think Luca is a very interesting, sneaky player that he'll have the numbers, right? So it really depends. Can he carry the Mavs in a loaded conference up into the top half of the standings? If he can, I think he'll win the award. And, and that's what I think makes the MVP race so interesting this year because there's so many players who are getting held back by their teams like how many people are really eligible to win this mvp award just based off statistics alone Jokic, steph is having a mirrored nba nba yeah, mvp season yeah. from 2016 you know what i'm saying so like and the only thing holding them back from not winning the mvp is their team just playing so underperforming or yeah yeah i don't, I don't say bad but oh, yeah. yeah like underperforming yeah i think this has been like the most entertaining the mvp race has been in years Oh yeah, in the long, like every year, I feel like it's been like two guys. It's possible. It's always Harden to, against somebody, and Harden always yeah, Harden. gets <laughs> Or in LeBron, it's like Harden, yeah. Harden, LeBron, and Giannis or Steph or somebody. But um, yeah, I feel like if by the end of the year, it's very possible that there's like five, six guys that are right up in the MVP race, and no one knows who it's gonna be. And I feel like the only award right now that is locked, and I'm gonna bring it into our next topic, is the Rookie of the Year. So I can I think we can all agree, all the four of us, that LaMelo is going to be the rookie of the year by season's end. My question is, who's the runner-up? Halliburton. For me, Halliburton. We talked about it on the pod before. Guy has his, like like you said, he has his fingerprints all over the game, right? Like, this guy's, like, playing like a knows how to veterans. Hoop. Yeah, he exactly. knows how to hoop. You, you, like, watch him, you mm-hmm. don't think he's a rookie, in my opinion. I think I take him number two. I think Halliburton's definitely number two. He just plays the game so – he just offensively is so in tune. He has the veteran presence that we rarely see at the first season of a player's career. But um, honestly, Emmanuel quickly might make up a run. And listen, I'm not a Knicks guy. I'm a Nets guy. But Emmanuel quickly, when he gets his minutes, he shows out. I, I think this is a guy that – I mean, he has a shot in my opinion. And this guy, again, drafted in the second round. No one thought he was no, going to be first, first, first. 25th. He was the first? Oh, 25th. 25th. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's late, late first, late first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. Emmanuel quickly, he's, when he gets his minutes starting to play, and I mean, Alfred Payton is like, 
Expand Our, six. Get expand six. Come on the pod. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I would I would give it to Halliburton. I mean, I personally have gone on record saying I think Halliburton could have a better career than Lamelo Ball, which I think is a bold statement at this point. Not too bold, but it's definitely a statement. Uh, a guy who's underperformed, even though he was out for a little, is Wiseman. I expected him. Just his size. He's clearly a very, very young player. And I thought he was going to come in a little more matured. I, I did too. Yeah. In the system he's in with Draymond and Steph and Clay and Kerr, he'll he'll learn very quickly. But I was a little bit surprised. Like his youth shows in every single game. Whereas a player like IQ and Hal Burton and LaMelo, like they, they almost don't look like rookies the way IQ draws fouls, the way Hal Burton makes a defensive impact. I went to the I went to the Kings Knicks game when they opened back up the garden for like their second game or whatever. And I watched IQ. He had 25 points. And like, I walked out of there. I'm like, how the, how the hell did he have 25? I look up, he had 12 for 12 from the free throw line. Like yeah. this guy gets to the line nonstop. It's- he just broke the record. He just broke yeah, the 94, record. 94 straight, 94 out of a hundred free throws. That's the most made for a hundred consecutive free throws attempts, wow. Wow. which is nuts. Okay. So the thing for Wiseman for me is I agree. I feel like he's a little, underdeveloped as i expected but the thing for big men is they always take a while to develop and for that warriors team if clay could come back like even like a mirror of him or his old self curry's balling like he is that is a really dangerous piece for that warriors team he is a defensive anchor right there he runs the floor it's crazy like when he goes 90 feet from one end to the other it's nuts like it's crazy he can shoot the three ball like he can go inside he has a huge defensive impact i say like give him two three years to develop that's a really scary warriors team they've always been scary for the past like i don't know decade man i'm tired of it but uh they they definitely got a good piece there and wise me yeah, now that we're uh, still talking about rookies, uh, I just have a quick question for you, Jack. Uh, do you think it's time for the Timberwolves to hit the panic button on Anthony <laughs> Edwards? Because listen, I, listen, I'm not a. I know he's not doing so well this year, but I'm an Anthony Edwards guy, and I think obviously you have a lot of. There's a lot of pressure on the first overall pick, and especially when you work with guys like Lamelo Ball, James Wiseman, who are probably. I would say they're both doing better than Edwards right now. Um, yes, Wiseman's underperforming a little bit, but so is Edwards, and Lamelo was playing out of his mind. Uh, but anyway, for the Timberwolves, do you think that like he's going to step it up later? You think like he still has the potential to be an All-Star type caliber player in this league? Yeah, the guy that hit the panic button is Jared Culver. They drafted him <laughs> high in the draft, right? And yeah. he's he's yeah, nowhere he's, to be found. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hit the panic button on an athlete like Edwards who can score, right? At this point in his career, it's just way too early. And you look at what happened to D'Lo down there. You look at what happened to Cat. Like, I mean, Cat's still balling. but They're Yeah, it's just a mess of a franchise with no scheme, no theme, no, no dream. So Did you see what Ricky Rubio said the other night? You saw that? Uh-uh. He said that they're not building towards anything and he's like kind of upset about that like it's a veteran point like ricky rubio obviously he's not an all-star or whatever but like he's a respected point guard yeah exactly like yeah. he's 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 made the rounds around the league he's been in good locker rooms he's been in bad locker rooms and at this point in the career like he could sense like the situation yeah, sucks. like it's toxic yeah but like and, yeah. and to rephrase jack's question a little bit i wouldn't say that they're hitting the panic button on edwards i think they're hitting the panic button on themselves saying like we kind of effed up by not taking LaMelo or Halliburton or just someone more LaMelo, but like still like, yeah, I think the LaMelo thing is partially confirmation bias and partially like, what were we doing here? I think some GMs are too smart or think they're too smart for their own good. Right. You see a situation like Luca, you see a situation like LaMelo, they've been playing pro since they were children. Right. And it's like, (laughs) Like, how are you not? And they were successful. So it's like against grown because his dad talks too much, man. That's why. But but then in the same vein, like the shooting clips and the percentages of Lamelo coming out of Australia and then coming into the league were they were pretty abysmal. So they were shooting. He's shooting a lot better from three than a lot of people expected. Exactly. So there's red flags. So I think it goes both ways. But um, no, I don't think it was crazy to take Anthony Edwards, but I think, I mean, looking back, it's like, yeah, yeah LaMelo Ball should have been the number one pick. Are we, Do you uh, say LaMelo Ball would be as successful as he is right now in Minnesota? Because I, I don't know. I think hell no. the franchise no, is cursed, man. Like, I just don't know. I can't even put a finger on it, like, what they need, what they need. I mean, like. I feel like if any franchise is cursed outside of Minnesota, it's probably the Charlotte <laughs> you know, yeah, that's well, true. Like, but I mean, not. I feel like I feel like Lamelo was that last piece for all those guys that finally gelled together. Like, even yeah, look like 
like Malik Monk, Miles Bridges finally got his pass first point guard. Terry Rozier's on a freaking te- like this dude is averaging twenty. Mm, yeah. Like had he had a fifty bomb a couple weeks, a forty was forty or fifty, fifty whatever. Yeah, he was yeah, like a week ago. So like well. so. And are they in playoff contention? Are they? Yeah, they're yeah, so like the this was like their last. There, this could have been their last piece. Like PJ Washington had forty. Like they have a lot of guys who can hoop, and I just think it's. I don't think James Barago is like the guy for them, but that's just a whole another discussion. Mm, but yeah, I think they finally found their their guy, and they'll just go from there. And like I wanted to go on defensive player of the year. Um, who's your guy's front runner? Because I feel like that's kind of more of the broad no one really knows right now. Like, Miles Turner's averaging three and a half blocks per game. Rudy Gobert's holding it down for the best defense in the league. Like, yeah, you have other guys out there. If it's a situation but... like that, like, even, like, Ben Simmons is having an insanely mm-hmm. great defensive year. But I feel like if it's just so close between all these guys, I think it's going to be Rudy Gobert at the end of the day. Just because, like, he's known for being, uh, like, the, the best defensive player in the league, the best rim protector in the league. And they're going to see these guys, like, you know what, Rudy Gobert, he's, like, the face of defense in basketball. So I, I definitely got to go with Jack. Um, for some context, the other Jack, uh, we have a thing called the Notebook we just started last week. Jack is huge on the Jazz right now. Uh, he takes them over the Ooh. Clippers to go to the finals. Um, me and Matt kind of disagree, but it's a really hot well, take. They all called me crazy when I said the, the Nuggets were beating the Clippers last year. So that's all I'm saying. Hey, man, that's not on the record, though. That's <laughs> yeah, not on Dime This time. is on the Notebook, bro. <laughs> that's, that's what you're <laughs> But uh, I'd have to agree with Jack on this one. On the best defensive team, the best defensive player gets that, uh, especially when there's no clear uh, winner for this award, Defensive Player of the Year. I think Rudy Gobert is like a pretty much uh, – not a lock, but I feel like he's a favorite. And Giannis is right in there too, though. Yeah. They, might go, they might go. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Gobert is going to win the award. The other interesting names are like LeBron, which people are pushing for, which I, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. Yeah, ben, ben Simmons is a really intriguing one because the difference is with Gobert, he's a great rim protector, but that's where he's guarding, mm-hmm. right? The paint. Mm-hmm. And Ben will come and they're, they could potentially finish first in the East. He could, on a nightly basis, be guarding Kevin Durant. He guards the best or... player in every team. Exactly. And he can guard all five positions. So for that versatility, I think he's going to have a strong case for it. Um, but like Gobert is kind of just like the easy option, I think, for a lot of voters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel I like. Oh, sorry, Jack. Well, I was just kind of like egging on to what he said. Like, I feel like if they don't really know what to do, they're just going to take the easy pick with Gobert. Mm-hmm. I agree. Gobert is probably, if I had to make a bet right now, I probably would put it on Gobert. Um, I don't want to spend too much time most improved player because I feel like it's at this point with Christian yes. Wood out, Jeremy Grant is more of a lock. But I want to venture more into who has surprised Julius you guys. Randall? Think so? I mean, if you really right, think fuck it. it. Let's talk about it. Let's get into nah, it. Nah. Let's get I mean, into it. I mean, Grant, like, I'm a Knicks fan, so I'm, I want to hear it. I see that behind you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Randall is an interesting case. I mean, the jump. If you want to talk about most improved, like – he really went to an entirely new level. Like Jeremy Grant, he's scoring a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, like he's doing it on a team that who's going to score, right? Like yeah. someone has to score. They're going to score points in a basketball game. Whereas Randall like went from an awful passer, an out of control, spinning, dwelling thief. A tornado. That's what we call right. it in New York. <laughs> to a guy who's shooting 40% from deep and leading the team probably in assists and is an all-star. So in and, terms of like, and probably our best defender right now, and he's yeah. really picked up on defense, which has been I'm I was shocked. And like you said, forty percent three ball is crazy too. He's shooting crazy. percent like than Dame, which is unheard of. Yeah. So yeah, like, I I don't think it's. I feel like, from a voter standpoint, I feel like they're not going to give it to him because Julius Randle has been a twenty plus point per game guy. Yeah, like when he was in New Orleans, like he was a pretty pretty solid. He was pretty good in New Orleans. Um, so I think on that's that the only reason because I feel like the most improved every year is always like the guy who just came out of nowhere. Like Jeremy yeah. Grant, great great player with the Nuggets. Whatever he leaves, people kind of question that. And like you said, a lot of awards are narrative based, and it was kind of just people were kind of like, why would he leave for the same money and go to a poverty franchise? You know what I'm saying? And now now like. He's putting up those that 23. Like, he looks like he's worth the money at this point. Yeah. So, I feel like that's probably what it is. So, my question, if Christian Wood comes back um, after the All-Star break, right, he plays that, that consistent level, you think he could win it? I'd take him. Because, like you said, narrative-based, right? Like, his story is, story is really compelling. 
Yeah, his story gets really interesting for a team that's lost 11 in a row or something, right? If he comes back and they went on a 10-game win streak and he's like a catalyst for that, I think so. But I I think they're going to be too low in the standings to get love by the time he returns. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and also uh, sixth man of the year. I feel like this is a pretty unanimous answer of uh, Jordan Clarkson of, of the Utah Jazz. He's a bad man. He's a bad man. It's just crazy to see, like, that Lakers team and what they're all doing now and how good they are, and they just couldn't, like, meld. I, I mean, the Lakers might have gave up on them too early, but, I mean, they're doing I mean, they got their chip, so, like – Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, they're doing fine for themselves. And then uh, Coach of the Year, that's an interesting one. Like, I really think Tibbs should be in the conversation for Coach of the Year right now. Yeah. At least me. Like, if I, if, I, if I had to award it right now, I'd give it to Tibbs, but there's other guys like Quinn Snyder's doing a great job in Utah. You can't discredit him. Doc Rivers. And, Doc Rivers doing a great job. Turn that franchise yeah, around. I, I don't know why Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown was there for so long. He's, he's awful. So, and they finally brought in an actual coach, and now they're number one seed in the East. So, Arch and Jack, what do you guys think? I'm a little biased too. Um, I say uh, Tibbs, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I I might have to give it to Quinn Snyder of the Jazz. Like I did not see them playing at this level. So, um, coaching definitely has a big part to it. Yeah, yeah, so, I, uh, yeah you can go check. What's super interesting, right, is like you take a team like the Knicks, who were the worst or second, you know, bottom five in the league, and you make them a playoff team. Obviously, we're only halfway through, but that jump to me is way more impressive than a team like the Jazz, who were, you know, a perennial middle of the pack Western Conference team jumping six games or eight games in the win column. The Knicks like won what twenty five games last year. Like they're gonna. <laughs> well, blow. no, and the thing is, Jack, what I like that you're bringing that up is outside of D Rose and Quick, that roster was relatively the same team. It's awful. And, and then you look at it. I mean, we mentioned the Sixers. Like, yeah, Doc Rivers is coaching much better than than Brown. Well, like he is Embiid, Tobias, and Ben Simmons, and Curry, and you know, yeah, like he better be coaching that good with that squad, right? So, so while he's definitely an improvement, you can't deny that. Mm-hmm. It's like, is he the coach of the year just because he kind of fit the pieces together? I guess it's like, was Steve Kerr the the coach of the year for those Warrior teams, right? Like, how impressive of a job yeah. did he really do? Um, the seventy three win team, full credit, like that's insane to put that together. But like the KD years, right? He's just like, putting his feet back and just letting them do what they got to yeah. do. So, so that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I mean, it's just the what only was your thing. Prediction, Jack. Um, I think Snyder's probably in the lead right now. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say Snyder too. It's just I, th- I think you obviously have to give all the credit in the world to Tom Thibodeau because just of what he took took and how he's like making out the Knicks to be like, the, I mean, the only thing is they're hovering around 500 and by the end of the year, if they're still there, it's going to be hard to see Tibbs win an award over a guy like Doc Rivers who took the 76ers. If they can still there as in like the four seed with home court advantage in the first round, still there, that type of there. Well, no, I meant like, just like record wise, like if they, it. yeah, if they, like, <laughs> they stay around 500, I mean, I still think they're going to drop a little bit, but you never know though. I mean, they could keep picking it up. But um yeah like I don't, I don't like who is I don't this like the man? hate I don't like the hate what's like going on here? I'm not I'm not hating I'm just trying to look he's just, at yo, it. he's just a jealous Nets fan he just knows he just knows <laughs> little bro's not okay over there bro listen I'm hoping you guys fall down so we play you in the playoffs and knock you off no I round. want that matchup because if we have nothing to lose we literally <laughs> have nothing to lose yeah no you're right we have, I don't know. Madison Square yeah, Garden will be burned to the ground. There'll be chaos in the streets. <laughs> I don't want to play the Nets. It, it, there's too much talent. We would get smoked. No, I I, trust I, me. I don't want to play the Nets, but I'm saying from that point, if we I'd, face them, be we literally season. have nothing to lose. That would be crazy. I want to see it happen, but I don't want to see it happen. I don't want to see it happen. Like, <laughs> like, it would be entertaining, but just as a fan, I don't want to see it happen. <laughs> but I don't know. My pick, just to kind of end it off, I would say it's still got to be Quinn Snyder now. But if the 76ers stay hot – and the Jazz started to dip a little bit, I can definitely see Doc Rivers being in that meld and take overtake as the front runner. All right, my last question before we sign off. Who's the team to win right now? Going to the finals, who's going to win it? And number two, who is the team, the dark horse, who you think people should really keep an eye on as the season progresses into the second half and who can be a championship threat? That really isn't like the Lakers or the Sixers, the favorites in other aspects. We'll start, we'll start with Archie. What do you think? 
I say my dark horse, I say the Clippers. Uh, especially if Paul George doesn't fall off like completely <laughs> in the playoffs, you know, like play. I don't want to be fooled key. again. Yeah, exactly. Dark horse? He doesn't. Yeah, I mean, they're like the best team in the West right now. No, I, I think three. I think Archie. Wow. I, I agree with Archer in that, in the sense of what he's saying, just because they kind of mm-hmm. lost a lot of hype, I think, as well. Yeah, and they they're just like lost, not, lost to yeah, yeah. not as yeah. talked about as the Lakers are right now. Like you're saying, the Jazz. I'm. I definitely hope that's your dark horse, Jack. But um, <laughs> I say the Clippers is my dark horse just because, like, like Matt said, they don't have that hype. No one expects Paul George to ball out in the playoffs. I really hope he could keep this confidence and this usage rate going. Um, for who I'm saying could win, if AD comes back healthy, definitely the Lakers, in my opinion. Uh, I don't want to say the Nets, but um, if KD comes back and they all mesh together, that defense is the only thing they have to watch out for. That team is really dangerous. All right, Murph, go ahead. All right, well, my dark horse, uh, I think. No, 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 no. This is a good one. <laughs> I don't want to hear The this. Miami Heat. We're forgetting about the Miami Heat. The yeah, dark I'm forgetting horse, about dude. the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler doesn't even yell at people anymore. He don't care anymore, dude. Like, They're come on, like, five hundred, bro. They were at like they were like one of the worst teams in the league. They're playing hot. They're seven to three in their last ten. I agree that they're playing. They can hot, be, but They can realistically beat any team. Like they got, they have defense. Jimmy Butler, he shows up when he needs to. His teammates can show up, and it's again, it's a dark horse. It's not someone that yeah. you think's gonna win. Like okay. I could be like Archer and take the Clippers with two of the best players in the world. <laughs> Look at them in the playoffs last year. They still bro. have. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, who are the best. Paul George disappears. disappears I, get, I, get, nah, I get what Jack's saying. Archie, right. Archie, and and I think I think the two the teams to go to, I mean, I think it's the Nets right now. I mean, their defense is getting better. And if they keep improving that defense, we know the offense is there. There's come playoff time. We know how like Durant, Harden, Kyrie, they can perform the playoffs. And I, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Joe Harris is also going to show the world he's the best shooter of all time. <laughs> all right, that was a joke. And it wasn't a joke. But, uh... <laughs> I mean, he is shooting like he's the best shooter. Yeah, right? he's shooting like high All right, so let right me now. ask. Let me ask you guys. If I said it'll be a Nets versus either Lakers or Clippers final, so Nets from the East, Lakers or Clippers in the West, would you take that or any other scenario? Bucks get that. there, Sixers get there, Jazz get there, Suns get there. Like personally, like what I want to see, or like no, what, what would you? Think what would you bet likely? on? What if you had to pick? I mean, ever since I was freaking six years old, LeBron has been dominating in every aspect of this game. So, like, I, I had to have to go to the Lakers at that point. I'm, I just – I've never seen and you, and you think the though, But do you think that – do you think the Nets would be locks to get there? They're Honestly, no. they're not locks, but they are yeah. heavy favorites. I don't think so. One, injuries. Yeah. You see KD with a lagging injury, yeah. whatever. Two, early matchups for them could be a bitch. Like like Jack said, even the Heat, like, like the, the Heat, dark, like the oh, Heat yeah. match up really well with them. The Pacers at full strength match up really well with them. So like, I'm not saying there's going to be an upset, but there could be a team that takes them to six, seven games in the beginning, and that could the fatigue can be a factor. The thing I'm scared about the Nets is like in a long seven game series, right? That defense, like especially maybe in the second round, I give them like the first round they could get past. That defense is that liability, especially interior defense for me. Mm-hmm. Like if there's, they have a dominant big man in the paint, they have to guard. I don't, I don't see them like, you know, they that that series might be going to seven, and I, that series might DeAndre be won Jordan by another team. On the paint. <laughs> hey yo, you're sleeping on Nicholas Claxton. Oh, he, you're you're <laughs> sleeping on. He don't even play. <laughs> no, no, he, he plays in blowouts. <laughs> no, he's he's back now. I mean, and he helps. He's a big man. Like we need any help we can get. But. So- uh, but so defense Jack, is improving. Jack, who's your who's your dark horse going into this? Um, my dark horse. I I don't do dark horses in the NBA because dark horses don't get there. The Heat are like the most recent example of a true dark horse, really making a run. And what were they? A three seed or a four seed, true. right? So I think they're five, right? Five, yeah. Up five, maybe. Yeah, that game was split, and there was no home court with the Pacers. But um, yeah, I I would take the Nets. I think they're going to make it. I really do. There's too much talent, and that that's what wins in the league. Maybe the Bucks click. They have an interesting team dynamic, but at this point, they're nowhere close. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the West, the Clippers are, are sneaky. But at the end of the day, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know, scary yeah. combo. Yeah, and especially Dennis Schroeder, who's been an awesome, awesome piece for them. He's just he's like diving on the floor, making all the hustle plays that nobody else mm-hmm. wants to make. And I think those guys are going to be 
the factor. And like we can all agree that going into the playoffs, the Lakers are facing way tougher competition right now in the sense of the West being oh, stacked. Yeah. And you're going to be facing most likely Joel or KD and Kyrie and Harden. So there's a lot more on the line in that sense. And LeBron's going for five. So he's going to be hungry to get that. And uh, my my uh, lock right now, not lock, but my to win the championship, I'm probably going to, like I said, L.A., Lakers. But my dark horse, I'm glad Jack brought it up. I really think the Bucks can string something together and be a real threat going to the finals. Because, I don't know, just their last six, seven games, Giannis has been on absolute tear, averaging over what, 30 in double-digit rebounds. And... They finally got their third guy in Drew Holiday after letting Brogdon go. And when they when Brogdon was there, they did have a lot of success. So they finally have a, more depth in the point guard position. And it's another guy to look towards down the stretch. So it's hard in the playoffs, especially when you face, you're facing the best of the best and mm-hmm. you're facing the best coaching. Exactly. So coaches are going to find game plans to stop a guy whose main objective is just to get into the paint. And I think now that Giannis has a little more less pressure on him in the sense coming down the stretch. Cause now you don't have to, cause I always bring it back to Kobe Shaq. Like you never went to Shaq down the stretch. You always went yeah. to Kobe. Like you're not going to go to Giannis down the, as good as he, like he is a top five, top eight, six, seven NBA player. Like as good as he is, you just can't go down to him to the stretch because he's really not going to create for you in that aspect. So having more guys like Drew and Chris Middleton, I mean, I mean I, Chris I Middleton, really see he didn't play too hot in the playoffs last year. So he worries me a little bit, but I mean, a guy like Drew Holiday, that's a, a good veteran presence to have. Yeah, like, and we're talking about a team that has won 60 games before. Like, I feel like we kind of forget that. Mm-hmm. Like, the league is so – it moves so fast. Like, I saw something today. Like, in 2016, the bottom – I don't know if anybody saw this on Twitter. Yeah, in 2016, yeah, yeah. The, the bottom Nets, teams Sixers were in last Bucks. place. It was the Sixers. Second to last place was the Nets. Third to last place was the Bucks. Fourth to last place was the Knicks. You flip that now, that's the top four standings right now. I know. Five seasons later. It's crazy. Easy. So it's Easy a fast time. league, man. It's a fast league. You don't know. We don't, we don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Just like I said, I want to thank Jack for coming on today. Had an awesome discussion. Uh, hopefully we hear more from you in the future, man. Good luck with snapback sports. You got a awesome following there and good luck with your moments, my man. Thank you. Appreciate you guys for having me. I'll talk yeah. to you soon.